and welcome to Reach for Power, where we will take a closer look at the power itself and at the strategies to build it. I am your host, Monica Crook, and in this episode, we will focus on conflict resolution. Conflict, oh my God. I mean, whenever you progress through the ranks in any organization or in any social setting, sooner or later, you will have to face it. For a very simple reason, whenever there are some resources to share, being it time or money or other people's time, there will be probably more than one person who wants to get a piece of it. And there you go. This is where conflict effectively comes from. This said, contrary to common belief or contrary to appearances, there are actually several ways or several potential avenues that you might want to consider whenever you are dealing with conflict situation. Let me give you some specific examples uh, of five strategies which you can meet in conflict management literature. First one is called accommodating. Effectively, this style is about I honestly don't care about the topic of the conflict. I can really let it go. In other words, this is an option to keep the peace. You are not putting any effort into the situation. You are not investing your time. You are not investing your energy. Uh, Or, for example, you suspect that you might be wrong. And if you push through that particular conflict, you know that you might need to retrace your steps at some point. Pluses are very simple. I mean, small disagreements or the ones that you genuinely do not have time for, for the reason of them being not important enough to occupy your mind, those can be handled quickly and easily and actually with minimum effort on your end. You can build a reputation of a person who is easygoing and that your colleagues can speak your mind around you. So quite a few points to consider. On the other hand, If you abuse it or you use it too often, you might be perceived as a person who is effectively weak and has no idea on how to stand their ground, how to speak their mind, how to fight for what's important. And plus, if it's used on any issues which are really important to you, genuinely important or long term, then it will not help to solve them in a meaningful way. And then there is an option to avoid it. Example, think about some very basic changes that need to be done to a design. And let's say that you have two colleagues with looming deadline and they are not able to kind of agree on a specific color palette, let's say. And if one of those colleagues knows that at the end of the day, the way how the design will be evaluated will not be based on the color palette, but on many other criteria which do not cover coloring, then the person might decide, okay, it's not worth my time. It's not worth my bother. I'll just go with the flow. So this is a good example where that particular strategy might actually bear good fruit. Second strategy is about effectively avoiding In other words, you are removing yourself from the situation or removing the conflicting parties from each other or evading it in some other manner. What it gives, it gives a chance to effectively for everyone to cool down, 
to make sure that you have your emotions in check, to give you a chance to reconsider your own position. And at the end of the day, it gives you also an option to withdraw permanently, so to speak, if the situation will call for itself. Secondly, it also gives time and space for, let's say, zooming out or helicopter view perspective, which at some point might allow you to see certain issues or certain elements which you might have missed in the heat of the moment. Because at the end of the day, if our emotions come into play, then our logical part of the brain might almost become overshadowed by them. It's much more difficult to stay rational, to stay focused, to stay logical where emotions are running high. The issue, however, with this specific approach is that if it's used in the wrong situation, it might actually make the conflict worse. Because if you start avoiding certain difficult questions, you might, for example, be seen as a person who is simply not equipped to handle disagreements. And also the disagreement itself or the topic of the conflict will not go away by the fact that you avoided it. But in some situations or for some given period of, periods of time, it might actually be a good idea. Strategy number three is well known, I think, to us all, and it's called compromising. However, it sounds very nice because we are all at some point trained in our kindergarten experiences, you know, to share and compromise and uh, six certain middle ground. Uh, let me put it like that. More and more, I observe conflict to turn into something which I call a rotten compromise. Why rotten? Because effectively, nobody is fully happy with the outcome. Why? Because each party needed to give something away. So this style in some literature is actually called as lose-lose. The additional element is that it might be helpful when, for example, there is a time crunch and when the solution simply needs to happen. Uh, it's when it's having the solution is better than not having it or the solution not being perfect. With this particular strategy, issues can be resolved relatively quickly and all the parties will leave understanding more about what the other party had in mind, what are their boundaries, what are their expectations. So longer term, actually compromising might set the stage for more meaningful relationship, more meaningful interaction down the way. However, if you use this strategy too often, you are potentially, first of all, risking leaving everybody unhappy because everybody needed to give something to the other party. In some cases, some people might feel that they gave more or too much compared to what others put on the table and they will be then unwilling to compromise again. So that in a way will burn that particular strategy for you longer term. But also overlying on this technique might mean that it becomes increasingly difficult to do something because you will be burning others' goodwill in a way and you will start a vicious circle where everybody starts to watch their back and counting how much I just invested instead of focusing on solving the problem, instead of moving the issue ahead, so to speak. There is a strategy number four, which is often implied as this 
most aggressive way of solving conflict, and it's called competing. Competing is effectively about saying, we will do this this way because I said so. Full stop. End of discussion. It's almost like parent-child relationship. In other words, one party stands firm and uh, thinks that they have the correct handling of the situation and will not back down until they get their way. Surprisingly, in some cases, it again might be a useful strategy. For example, where there is absolutely no time for debating, where there is no time actually to dwell into different options or where very unpopular decision needs to be made. And you know by fact that you will not rally the troops behind you because, for example, you need to decide about layoffs or you need to decide about savings and then, unfortunately, you are on your own. There are some pros of this strategy. First of all, it really helps you to appear powerful because this style communicates clearly that, yes, I will get my way no matter what, and I will not back down based on my principles. And disputes, therefore, are solved quickly. And it also makes sense in a situation when you feel, for example, that your values or your deep-held beliefs are being violated. Then, honestly, you know, This is the line in the sand that you do not want to cross and you do not want others to cross. However, if you abuse it, if you use it as a solution to every single conflict situation, then first of all, you will appear authoritarian, not to use any stronger sounding words. And also the people who are the subjects of this type of conflict resolution strategy will honestly feel resentful. And long term, it makes it increasingly difficult to build any sort of relationship with them. Last strategy, number five, is about collaborating. From psychological point of view, from relationship building point of view, probably this is the healthiest one. Why? Because it produces certain long term results, meaning each party has a chance to say what is important for them, what sort of win-win solution they are after. It involves sitting down together, talking through the conflict and negotiating the solution. And it is one of the best course of action when you know that it's absolutely vital for you to preserve that particular relationship between the parties. And also in a situation when you know that solution itself will have a significant impact on what happens afterwards. Pluses are Threefold. First of all, it leaves pretty much everyone happy because everybody had a chance to be listened to. Everybody had a chance to lay out what is important for them. Everybody effectively agreed to what they are getting and you figured out the way to make everybody happy. And your perception as a person, for example, facilitating that specific strategy might be that You are simply skilled. You know how to bring people together. You know how to facilitate such situation. The issue with that solution is that it is time-consuming. I mean, you need time, you need comfort, you need safe space for people to sit together and talk through. And also, in case of deadlines, in case of time pressure, it might simply not be possible to introduce that specific strategy. So, in other words, to sum up, There are multiple ways to approach conflict situation. You can either accommodate, avoid, 
compromise, compete or collaborate. So net-net, quite a few elements to choose from. Before, however, you jump into choosing your tools to deal with the conflict at hand, make sure that you have your emotions in check. Use some very simple exercises, like for example, breathe a few times more deeply, focus on your body, acknowledge and label the fact that you are stressed out or you are angry or you feel that you know emotions are rising or simply take this tiny break because if you calm your emotions you will be able to make more rational decisions in terms of which strategies that we discussed today to pursue which one will be serving you best and therefore which one to apply in the specific circumstances if you just go with the flow and allow your emotions to overdrive you then you are in trouble because then it makes it extremely difficult to apply your rational part of brain, so to speak, to the situation. It would also mean that you will be prone to any manipulation or any emotional attacks that might come from the other side. So the more grounded you are, the more level-headed you are, the more consciously you can choose certain elements and certain strategies to deal with conflict. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to have regular access to the newly published content. You are also welcome to check Reach for Power webpage at reachforpower.com for more materials and also to share your thoughts and comments through LinkedIn with me. Thank you for joining me today and keep on reaching for power.